everybody, welcome back to the District Church Podcast. This episode is a special episode because it's brought to you by my special person. I've never called you that before. We have with us today my wife, my bride, Anna Marie Wilbur Cantrell. Hi. <laughs> uh, Anna is also known as uh, the Sod heiress princess. or princess princess yeah. princess anna of sod uh-huh. i've never put that together before mm-hmm. wow yeah fun fact about anna mm-hmm. you said hello right i said hi yeah okay got it fun fact about anna and we also have travis here hello yeah. <laughs> my bad you're just I sitting there enjoying, smiling like when are they gonna say my name you go from we have my special person here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Travis. Is that the way you refer to Did you Anna think I was going to Did you think I, were you sad that I didn't introduce you as my special person? No, I just, I never heard you refer to Anna as that. We don't as talk. Your special we don't person. usually talk to each other that way. Yeah. yeah. Do you write it's in an anniversary weird. card? Anna to Anna, my special, special person. person. <laughs> my. My wallflower. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Fun fact about Anna Anna has known Travis longer than she's known me. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. He was my youth pastor. That's weird. That for is like weird. one year. Describe two years. describe for the people <laughs> what it was like to have me as a youth pastor for a few years, Anna. Oh well it's what, funny. What well memories? now it's funny to talk about it, but I we loved it. You were you were so fun and um I don't know, there were some I'm trying to think of what's like good okay to talk about on here, but <laughs> as far as like <laughs> I think. Well, I was think, I doing something I, illegal? We, we watched you go through a couple of relations. One, two different relationships. <laughs> it <laughs> there is was, true. And um, yes, but, you know, um, but one of them stuck, and that was the one that mattered. Um, and she's now a very dear friend. She, Nicole, taught me. She was the first person that taught me about discipleship, like actually living that out in our day and age, and That's not awesome. just something you read in the Bible. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. That is very true. I, I once heard I once heard Travis <laughs> giving advice to uh, a young woman from another church who works with like teenagers, and he said, "Here's your problem: you're trying to be friends with these kids, and and." That's not your job. And I, I rose my hand. It wasn't like a situation where you needed to raise your hand. And I said, I've seen videos of you like putting a, like snorting a noodle through your one nostril and pulling yeah. it out the other one. Yep, you did that in Haiti. That well, Yeah, I remember that Haiti trip well. That was fun. I think you were in a funny position because the, like, the core group of our youth group or the like people that were following jesus and consistently coming was like a group of 10 high school girls yeah it, it was a, it was a very unique dynamic and you would have and, been right out of college right uh yeah i was yep. i was 20 22 23 years old and, <laughs> and trying to like <laughs> do youth ministry and but but you're right though they were but you guys were like yeah you guys took your faith seriously and all that I remember uh, a couple of stories. Um, one, I don't know if you maybe you weren't on this trip. I think you were. We were, we were in the People Mover. Oh, I yeah. Do you remember was, this? Oh yeah. And we were driving from. I think we were like on our way to some CIY Christ uh-huh. in Youth like summer week long thing. Yep. And I wanted everyone to get to know each other. Oh. Do you remember this? Uh huh. And I said, oh, I okay. Everybody who's sitting on the inside seats, 
you got 60 seconds uh, say like introduce yourselves and say some things about like introduce you know get to know mm-hmm. one another and then everyone on the inside sees stand up and like move one seat uh, ahead uh-huh. and then everyone in the bus is going to basically have an opportunity to like talk to each other yep I thought that was a good break the ice thing uh-huh. and so <laughs> do you, okay you remember this I do remember this and I'm Getting those feelings of like, remember when you got called to the principal's office when you were in <laughs> It was probably the first time where I was like upset. Yeah, you were mad. And we got to the restaurant. But here's what happened. You guys, and it's actually a great, great move you guys did. I thought you guys were standing up and moving ahead. And really what you were doing was just standing up at the end of the time. And everyone was sitting in their same seats. <laughs> so we could still sit by our friends. Because we did not want to do that. <laughs> And I don't know how many times it happened, but I finally realized, I was like, you guys aren't doing this! <laughs> and you were, dri- you were really driving. Nice. I was driving, and so I just kept like, oh, everyone's getting to know each other. So I had to go up, then I had to go down. So the story I thought you were start that you were telling, though, is one, probably the same trip, we, we get to CIY, you're not super seasoned in driving a, a massive people mover, which why would you be, you know, <laughs> yes. in your defense? Okay. But... And it was really busy and packed, and you're trying to park somewhere, and you're probably still angry that we were doing that. And then, and then uh, you were like, "Okay, guys, let me know if like, you know, I'm about to hit anything as you're backing up." And we weren't paying attention, but one kid was. One kid was watching, and you're like backing into another car. And as you've already gone a little ways into the car, he's just like, "Um, you're hitting a car." <laughs> super helpful and but. and it, yeah because it got even worse it was like and so i was like oh my goodness why number one why did i trust a kid to tell me mm-hmm. when when not to you know when to stop but the other thing was i pulled forward and the the bumper of the the church connected with the bumper of the car and it slowly pulled their bumper off <laughs> this yeah, in so front trying of, to get out of the situation made the situation worse yeah, yeah. Was, yeah all sorts of uh all sorts of fun. Debbie Barone was with us, right? No, she probably she probably was. I don't probably remember was. which ones she Jana. was with us, and I, oh, mean, I'm I feel sure like they were all, with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, good times. Good times. Good times. But but too on a serious note, you were you were very impactful for my like walk with Christ. I all and growing stronger and following God and like knowing what it actually meant to follow Jesus. And I don't know. I just remember your teachings were always really really impactful and Mm. like meant a lot to me and we only had you for like two years or i don't know my junior and senior year but i learned i learned a lot those that's cool years anna i don't know if i ever told you this anna every time (coughs) that we came to wichita to see her family and then go to riverlawn or we'd go to the district right i'm gonna be like you just need to hang out with him you guys are gonna love each other and every time (laughs) i saw you do something i was like i don't hang out with that guy (laughs) nope yeah and now look at you guys. There we go. You're there my special person now. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um, on a more serious note, can you just for the people share a little bit of of your story that doesn't include Travis? Maybe pepper in some more stories of me. I think that's what people want. Yeah. Um, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> things you're passionate about. Um, Maybe the fact that you're wearing a sweatshirt of your local business that you own and operate. That sounds way more 
cool than it is. But um, yes, my name is Anna, and <laughs> I um, I grew up in Valley Center, Wichita area. Uh, grew up in the church. Um, my parents have been going have been members at Riverlawn Christian Church for since before I was born. Um, my dad's been an elder there off and on, mostly on for like a, um, that for a long time since I can remember. Um, so they, yeah, we were just always really involved in the church and saw that church go through a bunch of different seasons and, um, um, yeah. And then, and that's where my faith was born, I would say. Yeah. Like through the, um, I mean, through my family and also mm-hmm. through the church um, and just the the many people that God put in my life at Riverlawn. Um, and uh, so, sorry, okay. And then I met met Matt. Do I talk about that? Or I don't, sorry. So I didn't, pre- I didn't prep from? for this. Okay. This, um. That's what we do. That's <laughs> I our, know, help me. Um, so you left the nest? left the nest you revolted from travis's leadership yep for one reason yeah. or another. yeah well yeah i don't know there's a lot of life that happens through adolescence and high school and all that but um was all i i was always seeking jesus and and i i believe i came to faith when i was in like fifth grade like truly gave my life to jesus and wanted to follow him and tried to follow him now that doesn't mean that i was like not um I was sinless or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I, I guess, um, so, (laughs) um, in high school is where I began struggling with an eating disorder, and so that, that's part of why I'm here today is to, like, talk about that struggle and what following Jesus and also having an eating disorder is like, um, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, that began, like, eighth grade freshman year of high school so that's a big part of my story and um and then and then I you know left left Wichita and my college story is a whole another thing but ended up in Manhattan Kansas um at K-State and um that's where Matt and I met and uh, through our campus ministry took me a while to get planted somewhere and like um you know you I went through the questioning my faith a little bit early in college and like is this my own faith or is this my parents or like what is life and was continuing to struggle with the eating disorder like that was kind of just an overarching thing for about 10 or so years Mm -hmm. of my life um yeah and then uh then yeah Matt and I met our junior year of college um I just want you to know when you said it took a little while what when you you said met Matt and then it took a little while, I thought you were oh, going to say sorry. for you to warm for up. For me, to me. Warm, well, that's a little bit true too. But <laughs> fun, just as a sidebar, <laughs> the hardest thing for Anna to get over when she knew that I liked her was red hair, which just proved every single fear that oh, I ever had growing up. Oh, but now I but love it. But we conquered it. it. It just was nothing. You don't ever like. I don't know many people that are like, oh, when I marry a guy, I want him to have red hair. You know, that's not. <laughs> so, I stand but... on the mountaintop with a frown. 
single tear. Oh, we we can joke about it because he knows how much I love him and his red hair, so it's fine. But and and um, his his hair <clears throat> a little less red. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's basically brown. So, <laughs> so ladies, wait it out, <laughs> and gentlemen. Oh my gosh. Um, no, but yeah. So we met our junior year, and I just wasn't at that point. I'd been through a little bit of the ringer with boys. You know how that goes, ladies. Um, and just <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sometimes they get engaged. <laughs> Travis. Sometimes they tell you they want to marry you, and then they're like, eh, never mind. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That I wasn't, wasn't just... worried about this podcast. No, I'm sorry. But like, now sweet, I am. Sweet little honor. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's No, it's, well, it's that good. wasn't just in your life. Like, that's that happens to a lot of people, so it wasn't just you. But um, <laughs> anyway, so. But it's then, all very true. It's Well, I mean, it's hard. Like, it's hard at that age to figure anything out in life and so we uh yeah I just wasn't at that point I was just following Jesus having fun with I'd finally found like a good friend group in Manhattan and um I was working at a coffee shop I was like a barista that was fun um she was cool shout out blue stem bistro anybody nope yeah, I've been, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, really? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, because you're from you're from, from Junction, Junction City. City. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. was, I was there once. The armpit of Manhattan. You know what they call it? <laughs> um, they also call it the United States military. <laughs> it's Fort Riley. Doesn't matter. Keep going. But yeah, Bluestem Bistro is a very meaningful place to me. My sister introduced it to me. If you don't know, Nicole. Oh shoot! I always I was going to say Nicole Roberts. Nicole N I C O L E. And Robert's Wilbur, Brady's wife, is my sister. So, yeah. Um, Anyway. Let's also make mention that Brady was either close to engaged or almost engaged twice. Brady, you got anything to say? (laughs) Hope you're not here. He also he also dated my sister first, the first date, and then was like, "Mm, yeah, nah. He broke our hearts when that happened. Me broke, and Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with the Roberts boys oh, um, for a little while. But so, and... at some point they figure it out and they find their Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. There's a lot of ups and downs, but there's always a Nicole. Oh, always a Nicole at the end. Yep. No. Um, love Brady. He's like the brother I never had. Um, he's tall. He's tall. And so. Yeah, Blue Stem, junior year, met Matt, wasn't looking for a relationship, but he he was super refreshing in that he was like, uh, what's the word, I just very out with it, like, I like you, and I want to date you, and you're going to know it, and like, I'm not going to do that thing where I'm like trying to be your friend, and I'm kind of confusing, but just, you know, you're like, and what this was about was like, if, if we're going to do this, then it's going to lead to marriage, because we love the Lord, and we want to follow him with our lives and our marriage and like if that's not what this ends up being then like we're done so and i don't know that's that was pretty cool but um was there paper was there paperwork with this no but i think it is funny how (laughs) when so when i found out that you liked me i was kind of like oh i mean i've always thought he's really funny like he always made me laugh a lot um, and we, I really enjoyed him as a friend, but we didn't really know each other cause we, our paths just didn't cross a ton. Um, and then, um, and then, and I was like, I, I just, I'm going to have to get to know him more before I, 
you know, like figure out if I like him or not. Plus, he has like red hair. I don't know. I just. (laughs) And then. Can't get around that one. And that was like winter break and the next semester hits and we have a class together on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and a class together on Tuesday, Thursday. So literally every day of the week. We have a class together, and first day of class in both of those... Do you want to tell the people what classes we had together? Oh, not really. Well, I mean, okay, human sexuality and gender and relationship roles, I think. We were in... Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I walk into class, and Matt... This is what I mean by he just had no shame about liking me and, like, wanting to pursue me. I walk in, and he just, Anna! You know, like, from where he's sitting, he's like, I got a seat for you! Like, (laughs) Yeah. He like walked walked with me after class, and he's like, "Oh, do you have a book for that class? Don't don't bother buying one because my friend has one, and he's gonna give it to me, and we can just share, you mm-hmm. know, that type of." Ask how many times we read that book. None, and then he invited me to the library to study, quote unquote, for the. Well, that sounds. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> that I guess that was our first date, but we <laughs> went there and got to know each other more, and then, and then you asked me on a date, and then. The rest mm-hmm. is history. Yep. Yep. I would okay. just like people to know that during that whole interaction that you just gave, Matt was giving me uh, every twenty seconds eye contact. I just want you was to know it how for to, approval or you were you how to bragging? Do it. Like, what? I was like, was you just you from, your, like, from your story? Sound you like maybe. That? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but maybe you could use some advice. <laughs> oh. You bring out the paperwork out front. Okay. Sign, initial, date, here. Get the books going. Um, well, I was just joking about me being a part of those. Um, can you more after, um, like, so we get married a week after we graduate, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, past that, we're in Manhattan for four years. Mm-hmm. Living life. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, Anna gets pregnant with our first son, Micah, who's now two and a half, almost three. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, just uh, you had you had talked about Did eating. Not get into current life where I'm at. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, and then currently. Currently, I have a two and a half year old boy, Micah, who says he's going to be six, and then. <laughs> His his grasp on time is hilarious. Yeah. He keeps saying he keeps saying uh When I was a baby last night and Benji was a big boy who's his one year old brother, he just doesn't he thinks if he's a baby then Benji's a big boy, you know? Or he's got something figured out that we don't. He's got a better grasp of time. No, it doesn't sound like that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me on the rails. But I have, You're a good friend. But Matt and I have a two and a half year old boy Micah and then a one year old boy Benjamin Benji, we call him. Not a dog name. Kind of a dog name, but Um, we're taking it back. He, yeah, that's our life. And we, I stay home with them um, unless I have a wedding. Then I have help and people help me with the boys. And I, oh, and I I have a wedding floral business. Anna is the CEO, owner, president of a sole proprietary. (laughs) Is that how you say it? Sole proprietary. Part-time local floral business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I love, I love flowers. I love doing people's wedding flowers. It's really fun. A little stressful, but it's it's fun. And, and your favorite arrangement is uh, dragon lips. Am I correct? <laughs> 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 they, last time I had a wedding and they were doing a podcast, they came out in my shop and were trying to name flowers. So Travis coined a flower dragon lips there is a snapdragon snapdragon yeah that's what we're looking for snapdragons are a flower isn't there dragon's breath 
baby's breath. Baby's breath. That's, that's what it was. Okay, so we were going to have snapdragons <laughs> and baby's breath, and then you have a dragon breath bouquet. Yeah. Dragons, we... The dragon's lips is when you take the baby's <laughs> breath, the snapdragon. And... and kiss it? I don't know. And you uh, put some Hershey kisses in there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's me. That's Anna. Um, so you had mentioned eating disorder stuff, just as something that you're fighting through for a, a decade in there. Yeah, um, you said least. beginning around to like eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just like kind of put us in that? Because the, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to Anna about it, one, is because people need to know Anna because she's awesome. And two, because... Thanks, babe. You're welcome. Um, the, there's, there's a lot of things that fall under the category. There's a book by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. And so it's an interesting one because there's, he kind of like breaks down these sins within the church that we kind of just like don't bat an (laughs) eye at. We're like, oh, that's people. And then there are some things that feel more hot button or difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have like, if you're, if you've ever talked to uh, men or young men, there's always this hush, like, like porn. Like that's when it comes up, you get really quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think eating disorder is one of those sins or oh, areas sure. yeah. of of a struggle that that can be kind of like hushed tones. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a really significant uh, conversation to have because there are a lot more people who sh- who struggle with this than mm-hmm. we realize. So if you go ahead, will you say something? I was gonna say yeah, it's usually behind closed doors or something that they talk to their therapist about only or something like that mm-hmm. and not yeah yeah um i feel like it's one of those things too that um you don't you don't necessarily see i mean you don't see an eating disorder listed in scripture yeah or or see like an explicit example and so you almost don't know what to do with some of that it's like no man's land and you're just kind of mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do with it yeah. and and so when when something is not explicitly in scripture and you're trying to figure out what to do with it you don't know how to share it talk about it yeah and you kind of assume maybe this isn't a church thing or a or maybe i shouldn't bring this up in my hub or what do i do you know yeah. and so i think that's what's neat too about you sharing on it yeah i think that's a a good point i it i think it took me a long time to figure out what it was too like when i was struggling with it and specifically where the sin was within it like what was sin and and i i think even the term eating disorder is um i i don't like to say that i don't like to say i had an eating disorder i like to say that i struggled with sin and the in that i you know was controlling and I wasn't trusting the Lord and I was I don't know there's a lot of areas of sin with it but um I I it was it was disordered eating so yeah mm-hmm. but um it, I think that our culture likes to put that on it and make it something that is happening to you and make it a victim thing hmm. um like oh I have an eating disorder something is wrong with me not I'm making an active decision to do this to myself or whatever or to, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can get into specifics, but like, um, yeah, it took me a long time to figure that out that and to know how, like, 
like I knew I was struggling with something and to start talking about it and and people didn't really know how to help me or like talk to me about it even so Mm -hmm. yeah it is weird and what's interesting the way you're phrasing it like it's there's sin underneath like we always we, we try and talk a lot about like it's the heart that Jesus is is trying to like change and transform, mm-hmm. and there's we like quote Jesus like it's out of the heart that the that the mouth speaks. It's from our heart how, why we operate the way we do the things we do, and it can be really easy and dizzying to look at the specific sin, disordered eating, and say this is the problem. And I feel like a, a and and I don't want to speak for you, but like I feel like something that was really really big for you was being able to recognize like this this is the top layer here are symptoms of something that's underneath mm-hmm. and so like really plumbing the depths of of our hearts and this goes with with a bunch of sins like pride yeah. or or whatever like there's there's a lot that's building up underneath mm-hmm. and i think that's too something i want to share about is how it's an eating disorder seems like almost like a special type of sin area um but it's not like it's it's sin is sin is sin and it might come out in different ways for everybody but i don't i yeah i don't know um would it be helpful to share like what because we've said like i have an eating disorder would it be helpful to share like what yeah was like yeah Yeah, share what it yeah or what i mean by that yeah anything in there um i think when i was eighth or ninth grade I'm and I know there is a lot of like um cognitive I know there are things from the world that like did happen to me that I couldn't have controlled as far as like adolescence and going through your body changing and like your um and and you know maybe things were said to me I don't remember exactly that would have exacerbated my issues in my head but um yeah around I think it was freshman year of high school. I just remember starting to feel really, really self-conscious about my body. And have and even though, like, I knew God and I followed Jesus um, and and loved him, I, I didn't know and walk in my identity super well. And, and when you're that age and you're like, I don't know, everything's changing and you're trying to, like, yeah, okay. So um, that's when I first started struggling with body stuff and your body changes too at that time anyway. You can't just eat whatever you want and, like, be fine. Like, (laughs) you might gain weight. I think I probably gained some weight, but it was probably normal. And, like, but I didn't see it that way. Like, my other friends still had, like, skinny chicken legs. And and, and I played volleyball too, and so you're wearing, like, tight clothing all the time. And I don't know. So I just got really self-conscious about my body and how I looked and started to put a lot of worth into that. And, um, I, I didn't have very healthy habits with eating. I, I think I, I think I was struggling a lot with anxiety too, and didn't know what to do with it and didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I just remember coming home from school and it was like, I could finally exhale and I would go in my basement and turn on the TV and grab a box of Cheez-Its and like eat mindlessly. And then my mom would be like, it's time for dinner. And I'm like, oh, I'm full, but I need to eat still. And then like, and, and that's, and then I started, I think I started trying to control those behaviors by, uh, the eating disorder I struggled with was bulimia. So I, one time, I don't know how the idea popped into my head, but I was like, I feel gross and sick kind of, and I like, I, maybe this is too explicit, but I 
stuck my finger down my throat and I admit that's too explicit. No, you're that's, good. No, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. But, and I, well, I made myself throw People throat. have to deal with I'm sorry. I know. Well, no, but I don't know. I don't want to also, like, give people ideas or, I don't know. But, right. yeah, and made myself throw up and it was, like, really, I was surprised at, like, how easy it was. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then uh, that started, like, a pathway in my brain, I guess I would say, of, like, something that I can do to control my anxiety and deal with my anxiety and deal with the desire to eat to cure my anxiety and to also deal with keeping control of my body and trying to find my or uh, have worth by being a certain size or whatever Mm -hmm. so um and then that just I just remember that happening a few more times and then I was kind of like whoa this is like maybe I think it dawned on me like this is maybe not good like (laughs) this is probably this isn't good and it and then I remember being in a class in school where we, um, I forget the name of the class, but where you read about like psychological, it was probably psychology. And um, I remember a chapter where they talk about eating disorders. And I read like, they they talked about bulimia and anorexia. And I was like, oh my gosh, is that me? Do I? That's what I'm doing. Like, and that's when I was like, I have an eating disorder. And then it became kind of an identity thing. Stuck to you. Stuck to me. Um, but anyway, I, I I struggled with that off and on for um, all of high school. And my way of dealing with it was kind of like, I just need to stop doing that. Like, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to control it and put it away. And then and when it was more of a struggle, I did open up about it to a youth leader um, when um, at our church. And I, she was a huge um, help to me in that um, and encouraged me to talk to my parents about it. And so I talked to my parents about it. But I don't remember anyone really knowing what to do. Like, um, my parents uh, had me see a therapist, and um, I and I, they, they were wonderful in trying to help me. Like, they wanted to do whatever they could, but I don't think they really knew. And I didn't want to listen to them either. I was at that age where, like, I don't know. I probably didn't want to talk about it or share with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not like seeing that therapist. I hated it. And I think I just wasn't maybe not ready to, I don't know. I was just, I don't know. But um, I only saw them one time and then just dealt with it on my own. And I remember just like, I was like, I'm just going to shove this down and then it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that pretty successfully. Um, I would go like a long time, probably months without struggling with like an episode and then all of a sudden it would come up one time and then I'd just shove it back down Mm -hmm. and then it didn't become more of a repetitive thing until college um uh like my freshman year sophomore year maybe I don't remember yeah probably sophomore year um and I just that's when I was struggling with my faith a little bit like I didn't have friends I didn't have a church community. I was like trying to find that. I was really truly seeking that um, in Manhattan and just coming up short. Like I was like, God, where are you? Um, and uh, there were just, yeah, a lot of things going on at that time. And I was heartbroken and lonely. And then, um, and it became a pretty repetitive thing. Like mm-hmm. daily was probably having like binging and purging episodes. Um, and that's when I got kind of scared that and when you're doing that like you feel pretty terrible physically like um yeah it's not it's not good and there were sometimes I 
got kind of scared, like, I'm, what if I really hurt myself? And I remember finally reaching a breaking point where I reached out to my mom. I think I texted her, and I was like, Mom, I need help. I don't, I, I know that we haven't talked about this eating disorder thing in a long time, and I don't really know what it is, but I'm really struggling, and I'm scared I'm going to hurt myself. Um, and they, of course, you know, like, jumped in, and, like, we, I found a therapist in Manhattan that, um, she was a great tool uh, for me in, in my healing. I saw her like all through the rest of college and even some after Matt and I got married. Um, and, and, and from there, I remember the Lord like before. So before I reached out to my mom, I remember kind of having like one of those moments you never forget with God where you kind of break down. And I remember I was in my car um, And I was just like, God, like, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. I don't have community. I'm struggling with this eating thing. Like, I'm, um, I I just, I I was, I I think I was also heartbroken, like, over a relationship at the time, and that didn't feel like it was healing. I was just like, where are you? Like, what do I do? And I remember one of the things that I felt like he had told me was, I want to help you, but you have to take a step forward too. Like you Mm. have to be willing to move. Um, and that's when I like told my mom and, and from there, like soon after that, I found community. I think I started seeking more communities too. And that's when I found Ichthus, the, the church I ended up in that Matt and I met in. Um, but before I met Matt, I found a really great friend group that like surrounded me and, and helped me through the eating disorder stuff. And, and, and other things too and um yeah and and once I like started seeking help then like the Lord started providing tool after tool to like help me heal but it was still it was still a long time before I truly found freedom or like was free of the eating disorder I mean that was sophomore year of college so then it wasn't until like three years ago that I would say that i finally would say that I felt freedom there were seasons of like I feel I feel like I'm doing really well like and but it yeah it always came back I guess but anyway yeah yeah just as being like (coughs) next to you for a lot of past then um yeah um it was it was interesting and heartbreaking to see because it was like it would almost feel like you reached it felt like you would reach a point of like, all right, I got this. Like, I've I've started to figure out what is not helpful. Maybe this next thing, maybe getting married, will help solve. Yeah. Well, you thought you thought that getting married and living with me was like that. You were like, I'm not gonna let this happen to you anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> stupid. And I thought so too. Mind. Like, I thought you know, he was like, I'm not gonna let this beat you up anymore. And then, and I think. Yeah, I don't know. You wanted to come in and be my savior, Mm -hmm. and I thought maybe you would be, but you weren't because you're not Jesus. But however, God used you immensely to help help me. But I think that's a that's a great point that we, I think we're always looking for saviors, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're always thinking like that person, that marriage, that thing will save us mm-hmm. oftentimes though it's like that just exposes us because it's like the thing you think is going to save you but it's not jesus it's it's not the real thing and so 
when you when you realize that real that that thing you thought was real is not the thing that's going to save you you're mm-hmm. like oh this is where do i go you become even more desperate and mm-hmm. more um like you, you can you can be desperate you can be alone you can feel uh hopeless you know all, all of the above so well, it also I, builds up a, <clears throat> like resentment towards all of the things that have come up to because it didn't achieve what you were hoping right. that it would achieve yeah. and then mm-hmm. further it like proves that point in in our heads if it's there like i am a victim mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like nope this thing was supposed to help me and it didn't mm-hmm. this next person was supposed to help me and it didn't they, this, they didn't this help. diet this diet where maybe if i just don't eat any sugar ever then i'll i'll be better yeah. and or yeah i don't mm-hmm. know there's yeah i did a lot of different things and I think some of them helped, but weren't ultimately what saved me. Right. It kind of helped. We would always, when I remember you and I talking, and we'd have those conversations of like, these are Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. Like it helped for a little while, but to quote the great theologian Taylor Swift, uh, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. <laughs> you like that? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know why I left it, Travis, for affirmation on that one. Because it was silly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> but... I have two. I have two questions that that maybe you can speak into. Um, one is like, well, what can you express? What the transition was? I know you still have some difficulty putting to words. Like you were in this situation where it was like this repetitive sin would run back to it, um, and then all of a sudden, years la- like a couple of years later, you were like this. I don't. I don't need this anymore. I'm not going to do this. Can you express yeah. um, kind of maybe what? what was what were variables that were in that transition mm-hmm. and then my other question is like when you're in the midst of dealing with a, a a sin or a process of sin like this what is what is not helpful to to have people around you say or what is helpful mm. for people around you to kind of love on you yeah um so yeah i i am still trying to sometimes figure out what the heck happened because the way that it felt when I was in it was like, just like chains on me or like, like I have this visual of like Satan just like pushing my head in the ground and like hmm. I would sometimes get to come up for air, but then like, it's like he just had this hold on me and, um, as much as I wanted to be free of it, um, yeah, I just couldn't, but I think, so I said that, but, um, the things that really like brought me out of it was getting out of the victim mentality. I think for the majority of my struggle with that eating with the eating disorder, I I thought it was happening to me. I believed it was happening to me. There were even people that talked to me and told me that it was happening to me like you poor thing. I'm so sorry. Like I don't understand why you would have these thoughts. Like you're beautiful. You're da 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 like whatever and and I'm like I'm just so sorry that this is this this is happening to you but it and so I believed like yeah something is like wrong in me or something I don't know and but until I started owning that like no I am actively making these decisions to like to do this like no one is making me go eat a bunch of food and then like lose it or like I don't know um but um so getting out of that mentality and owning my choices and seeing and and seeing how it was affecting those around me um like you specifically um that She's was pointing at me, not sorry Travis. Matt <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that'd be weird. Um, <laughs> uh, it was kind of it's a pretty tough one. <laughs> um, uh, that oh, sorry. So your question was, how did I? I give you a lot of questions. How did I get out of it, basically, or like what, what happened? Or what was what was? Uh, I've said variables. If you variables. if you if you aren't able to like yeah. fully express, I was here. This was the because the silver bullet probably yeah. doesn't exist. But yeah. What were variables that were there? Part of it. So yeah, uh, not no longer choosing to be a victim and, and instead owning it and, and realizing that I did want it. I, I would have said to you all day, I don't want this, I hate this, but mm-hmm. I, I did want it. It was serving me um, in ways uh, that I didn't want to admit, but I, I, I loved it. You know, it's weird to say, but I loved my eating disorder because it gave it. I thought it fixed issues that I was mm-hmm. having. Um, and so I was scared to let go of it. Um, but when I realized that, that was helpful. Um, like, oh, I do want this. Okay, so what do I need to do in order to not want this anymore? Why do I think I need this in- instead of God? Um, so, and then confessing that sin, like just going through, repenting of that. Um, and then uh, uh, believing and choosing to believe that God was the solution for all of those things going on in me. Um, Hmm. and seeing others around me, I was in close community with others that like had some deep struggles that were finding some freedom and their freedom was because they were believing God and knowing God. And like, like Psalm 103 is what I think about was really impactful for me at the time. Um, and just believing those truths about who God is, um, um, and so, and I, I remember starting to believe those things and still struggling, but like, it's like the, the hold was slowly relinquishing. And then I, what really did it, what really I think brought me healing was I got pregnant and, um, I always feared getting pregnant cause your body's going to, you're going to get fat it's going to happen. <laughs> and so, um, I, but we were ready to start our family and, um, uh, when, when I did start to gain weight in, in my pregnancy with Micah, I struggled and I, and I also was really, um, sick, like not on my own, um, will, but like just, I get really sick with pregnancy, I guess. Um, so I was nauseous all the time and that was a trigger for me always, um, and to like binge and purge. And so I was struggling with some episodes at the beginning of the pregnancy and got really scared that I was going to hurt my baby. And I remember going to therapy a time in there. Like I hadn't been in a long time, but it was like, I just want to talk to somebody about this. Like, what do I do? And that was just, I, I remember that being really helpful and God using that to show me like, like she helped me realize like your body is made to do this. And, um, but anyway, what God was doing, I think, is is he, you put it this way at one point, took away my ability to be selfish with it. Like, no longer was it physically only affecting me. Like, it was going to affect my child. Um, and That sounded really mean. We're going to, you didn't huh? say who said that? Oh, so Matt. I pretend like Travis said that. No. No. Well, no, he did. Like, no, it's Matt, Matt played a huge role in, he used to when we were first married he kind of coddled me in in all of this and then he mm. finally stopped doing that and that sucked um for me cuz it was it was like tough love like um you know like when i would want to wallow and want him to come chase after me when i was wallowing after i'd 
taken part in my sin. He he's, he was like on it, like you chose this, like I don't know, like you need to believe what God says and like get out of bed and let's let's go through our day. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm lovingly. He he was still really loving, but anyway, um, yeah. So those things, um, and then pregnancy, and and I finally just let go of it. I, I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna trust my body and God. Through, well, God ultimately, and and see what He's created my body to do. And um, I don't. I I'm sure there's other things that go with like becoming a mom, and and you're just. I don't know. You just aren't, you're not able to be as selfish as you once were before you were a mom. Like you love your child so much. Like I, I can't imagine the time and energy I put into bulimia. Like, well, like if I were to do that now, like I would be a terrible mother. I feel like, like I would not have the time and energy for them. And, and, and for some reason, when I stopped choosing it, it's, I stopped desiring it over time. And the longer that went by without it, the more I didn't desire. Now I like, it is not even a temptation to me. It's crazy. Like, like when I'm anxious or whatever, like I do not even think about going to the cabinets or like desire. And I don't know, it's, it's weird. Mm. But, and so that's where I do struggle to know how exactly did this happen? Like what did God do? Um, but he, right. did, he did something. <laughs> yeah, which is a, yeah, just being next to you for all that time is like like a wild blessing and also just to like praise God in it because there really was, it felt like almost a day where something happened and then it clicked in your brain and you were like, uh, like I feel like we had conversations. The key that I hear in this and as we talk about like people being like we've talked about like freedom ministries and stuff and trying to figure out how to get those more um, involved with the district. So people who are struggling with stuff, addiction with substance or alcohol or pornography or eating disorder, whatever stuff like the simplest form. And I remember even someone communicating this to us is like, it's really easy. You just believe what God has said. Mm -hmm. You take his promises and you trust in them, Mm -hmm. which is like, super insulting if you're if you're struggling through something and it's been with you for for years or decades or something to hear that but then also just to recognize like when you put rubber to rubber to the road like that's kind of the solution is like i instead of going yeah yeah yeah, i know what the bible says doing that like uh 18 inches from the the head to the heart or what's another what's another phrase you use faith is faith is believing god enough to trust what he says like that it seems so simple mm-hmm. and it's simple. It's just wildly difficult mm-hmm. to go. All right. I'm not a victim. I'm doing this. This is what God says about me is true prior to, prior to the cross and off after the cross mm-hmm. and what he says he will offer me. I just need to trust him. Mm-hmm. You put all your eggs in that basket. I think I, I, I slowly was putting my eggs in that basket and it was like until I finally put the last egg. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know freedom, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think those kind of things are really, um, it's, uh, there's a couple of things that stand out when you're, when you're talking about it. I, especially with like compulsory type 
uh, struggles. I go, I, I, mm-hmm. I go like John Mark Homer writes about disordered desires, and that in the world our our desires have no way to be ordered because Jesus isn't the base of them, and so we can we can um, even with our best foot forward, um, if Christ isn't foundational, then our des- all of our desires are disordered they're they're uh, deformed in some way shape or form and so mm-hmm. um and you can you can see that in, in even how you're talking about how you kind of fell into it but it, but it also makes me think of like one of the earliest definitions of sin is in genesis 4 where uh the cain and abel story where uh god actually describes sin as it's crouching at your door hmm. and it desires to have you and so it says, like, I think you, you like rule over it or you got to master it. And so I, th- I think there's an element of, yes, you choose to do it. But I don't think we always can comprehend what it is ready to take from us. Hmm. Sin may look like it always looks obviously fun. It always looks uh, even it can even look beneficial and we can look around and say everyone else is doing this it's like seems like something we're missing out on like whatever mm-hmm. but we can't see fully what it's ready to take from us and like and it's ready to take everything it's ready yeah. to steal joy in your greatest seasons it's ready to steal your identity it's ready to steal your hope it's ready to it's ready to do what um, Jesus later says about Satan, like he's here to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah. so um, that that really stood out as you were talking. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and so and so, like I just think, like even just taking a deep breath and going before before we look at our own stories, or while we're looking at our own stories, it's like, man, sin was crouching there, like it was kind of lurking around the corner ready to devour us yeah. and um and yet it can be so subtle and so like even hearing you describe the first time that that it happened like the you're eating and then your mom calls you to come up and eat dinner mm-hmm. and you're like oh you know or i don't know if that was that the that first is, yeah. time mm-hmm. like you could just kind of envision that genesis 4 thing taking place where it seemed like it seemed easy mm-hmm. and you know, and all of a sudden, that's what the desires just get disordered from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really interesting. And that that like was never modeled to me. Like I'd never seen that, or like yeah, that's what's weird. Like it just, I just thought of it. Like yeah, I don't know. or maybe I, ha- yeah. I don't. Maybe I had subconsciously heard about it or something somewhere. But um, that that's interesting from my own. Like we, we Anna made a joke. Was that that wasn't we, wasn't we weren't recording when Anna made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't, re- you didn't even really make it. When she was talking about your she related oh, to my yeah. my my uh, past struggles in pornography, and she's <laughs> and which was funny because it was like, yeah. <laughs> she just looked him right I wasn't in the trying eye to make a joke. I, she was... looked you right in the eye and but, said, "Some people." But but the Stop. first time that I saw it, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It wasn't like I was like, "Oh, that's pornography, and it's bad." The first time I saw it was like, "Can't wait." What is that? <laughs> And what, what, you know, it's like there was kind of confusion and um, mm-hmm. all of that. So that, that's definitely that Genesis yeah. four idea. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting was when you talked about Matt no longer coddling you, mm-hmm. because I think for, 
and and I and I think it is remembering the promises and all that. But there's also something really unique about community, that if somebody comes up and tells you that they're struggling with something, mm-hmm. or they're like laying it at your feet, again, your role is not. Jesus isn't calling you to that situation for you to be the savior. Mm-hmm. And what we can feel like in support of our loved ones who are struggling is we feel like we need to like almost carry them or like do something for them and like bend over backwards. And, um, and that, that coddling can almost become enabling Mm -hmm. and through our compassion and mercy for the person, we want to do what maybe they're not ready to do. Mm-hmm. Or what they're willing to do. Does that make sense? And so I think there's a fine line there of like, mm-hmm. of of grace and truth, mm-hmm. truth, truth and love, um, all, all that. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that was no. That's good. I think I I you asked the question like, what would you tell? What was your second question? How would what was what helpful, helpful what was through not? that when I was struggling and what wasn't? And I think the things that stick out to me that were really helpful were when people lovingly came alongside of me and kept reminding me of truth were very gracious when I was struggling. Like, um, if anyone knows Kimberly Hoy, um, she's a huge, uh, uh, part in my story. Mm. Like God used her a ton and there's, I could tell you all the things she did, but, um, she, God just put it on her heart to like come alongside me and, and my struggle. And, and she helped me, practically with a lot of things like fearing food like just learning how to eat with glory to god but also like um anytime i would struggle uh she because she it was probably a year or so that she texted me every single day to ask how i was doing and so within that year of course there were episodes so on the day that i would have struggled i had to tell her like i had to tell her what happened and she always loved me and like comforted me and said, you know, um, kind things, but also said truth and said like, you know, like it's over, it's done, like take it to God, but like God loves you and that's not who you are. And I I can't remember exactly what she always said, but it was always full of truth and like, I don't know. And that, that was something really, really helpful for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I think really unhelpful was like when I would seek I try whenever I tried to fix it on my own. Mm-hmm. That never worked and it it may have worked for a time but it always can then the eating disorder would always come back stronger. So it would be things like different types of diets that I would try or exercise regimes regime regimens regimen regime. What's a regime? That's like an army thing, right? Yeah. Um uh, so yeah, those things didn't help. Um, but yeah, community coming around, people not being afraid to talk to me about it. I think people are afraid to talk about th- these types of sin struggles because they are hush hush, weird. I don't know what to ask. Like, um, and, and I needed to be open to answering those questions. So maybe not everybody feels that way, but like, it was helpful when someone would say, like, "How are you doing with food? Like, how's yeah. that going?" Um, yeah. I think this is an important question, too, because I think in our world today, I don't think we talk about things uh, separately outside the church, inside the church. But I think outside the church, when they hear bulimia, they hear mental health. Yeah. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's okay. That's an okay way to to dialogue about it. And it's like I don't I don't I don't think the role of the church is to fight over like language and vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But why for you do you categorize it in a way of like? You, you said like selfishness and sin and all of that. Like, be, is that just personal conviction with the Lord or do you think it ever leaned over into like areas of chemical? I mean, cause, cause some people in the world will say like chemical imbalances yeah. and like all that. I know that there was that going on to some degree. Like I, I know, I know that I probably struggle, struggle with anxiety more than other people might some somewhat so there's some chemical stuff there I've been on like medications before I'm not totally against like the therapy route or mental health route or whatever but I just I had put all of my eggs in that basket at first that's what I thought I was supposed to do with it yeah and it didn't help me I mean there were tools that that did I guess help a little bit but it didn't bring me freedom um and it wasn't until I also identified that there, yes, like there is this brokenness in my physical body or my brain or whatever going on, but um, that's what, that's, that's, isn't that also sin? Like, mm-hmm. even though I'm not maybe choosing that, like that's the sin in me from like, even if it's physical, like, and that has to be surrendered to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think when we, I had a hard time with like all of the language being mental health. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know. I was like, where does where is God in this though too? And no, I did not like. I, there were things I didn't choose. Like I didn't choose to. I don't know. Be put in a world where there's a lot of worth put on our bodies and stuff like that. I didn't choose that. Um, but there were things I did choose. You mm-hmm. know, like and. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't but know if that I, answers it fully, but no, I think that's helpful because because I think I think the confusion is where where a lot of people are, mm-hmm. and there's just confusion, right? Like, what do I do with it? Where do I go with it? How do I mm-hmm. talk about it? What is it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think that just talking about it from a mental health side gives it the full language because people know that they're also participating in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there are some things that I think are helpful in it to say, man, even our minds like, and, and, and you, you say, like you mentioned anxiety and like every single time someone talks about a struggle that they have, it's never one thing. Mm-hmm. It's always like a ball of, of right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. so there's, there's um disorders then there's like 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 uh addictions come with uh hiding and lying and deceit and pride and i can do it on my own and like what you know all all those all those kinds of isolation yeah yeah yeah. and so it makes perfect sense to me that satan would want to like confuse the heck out of us so that we would just be so overwhelmed with the confusion and the chaos of it that we're just like well no one's no one's overcoming this I'm all on my own. No one wants to talk to me about this, you know, that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think what helps us to step through, through the confusion is doing what you did, which is just take ownership and just say, here's my part in this mm-hmm. and, and awareness and, um, confession, repentance, which I think are the tools that Jesus gives us to like, here's your freedom tools. Like, mm-hmm. Here's your here's here's the process by which you come back to me and you find like your 
true north, your centerpiece, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting you used the word identity early on, too. Mm-hmm. Like, even, I've heard you say this before, like, even in eating disorder communities, like, there's a level of, like, um, I don't want to say like competition, but I've heard you just mm. explain like, oh yeah. So there could be somebody this right now who is weird. who is yeah. listening to this, going, "Oh well, my she's on a different category than me. Like my my struggling with an eating disorder or whatever sin is like is way worse than what she described." Or like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not. Uh, there was almost this like comp- competitive thing of like, oh, she was hospitalized. Well, okay, I'm not doing it hardcore enough. You know what I mean? She's like, a, yeah. Which is, sorry, so, but, nope. I, and that, and I think that's good, because even if this is something that you struggle with, maybe, like, maybe you just, like, struggle with a little bit of confusion about food, like, maybe you've never made yourself throw up, or, like, um, restricted yourself a ton, but it's still, like, a mind struggle, like, that. that's still a big, big deal, like, Satan can still really hold you in that, too, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I just remember... Having, I remember having conversations with you, and this would fit in a lot of different areas of, of the external sin that's expressed, um, of like, you described it as like a victim mentality to some capacity, but it's also like, we want to be known, and we want at, we want an identity. Mm. And even if it's a negative identity, sometimes better than no identity. So being mm-hmm. able to be like, well, I'm the, I have this. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people respond to me in this way. So even when you would be like, yeah, I really struggle with this. Like, I've overheard conversations. I've been a part of the conversations where it's like, oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, this is like, and in part, it's compassion. Like like you were saying, Drive, like, there's an empathy part of it. But then also, there's like a snowball effect of like, oh, this like, it's almost we're like feeding sometimes the very thing that, that our soul kind of desires and to talk about functional mm-hmm. savior stuff or like clinging to like a, an idol, like what our heart is longing for is like, I want someone to recognize me and I like the feeling that I'm getting when they recognize me because I mm-hmm. am known. Mm-hmm. And then it, you talked about like the neural pathway, like, all right, well, this is how I get that sometimes. Yeah. And so um. this is me and for, for a little while, if I can say this is like, I'm, I'm on, a, I have an eating disorder. That's, it, it was, was a big it, part of my identity. It was hard to release that part of my identity, which is so crazy now because I'm like, oh, I don't even. I, I too genuinely do not care anymore about that. Or like, I mean, I'll talk about it as far as like if I if I whatever. But yeah. I I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't introduce myself like that. Right. Well, <laughs> sure. You know. Not that I did, but well, no. But no, but when I would talk with people like in our small groups and things like that, and people would start to share more deeply about what they have going on in their life, then I would share that, and it was kind of like part of who I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that should play for all of us, not just even if you you hear this conversation, you're like, well, I don't have a uh, a sin that seems super big that's following me around. Like we, there's a, there's a part of the identity aspect that, oh, yeah. that follows us. That's yep. And I still do it. I just was convicted the other night that I'm doing it with flower stuff. I'm like, oh, I really want to be better. Or like I was, I was trying to, you know, I'll start putting my identity in like, maybe if I'm the best 
wedding florist ever or like oh she's better than me at that Instagram sucks am I right but um (laughs) yeah I just yeah so it's still a struggle that part is still a struggle trying to find my worth in things other than who God says I am it's it's hard that that always I always think through uh I think Jeff Vanderstelt wrote one of the I think best models for like repentance with um his like his root to fruit, fruit to root. That sounds really funny. (laughs) But, um, and you're a flower person. So fruit to root, fruit to root, roots. But, but like when you, when you, (laughs) when you pinpoint something that is a positive fruit, it's like fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, that's, that's the spirit in me. The root of that is the spirit. Um, and the fruit of the spirit isn't just like an emotional thing. Like, it's like, man, when I have joy in in the Lord, it's like, man, that's the spirit's fruit in my life. Mm -hmm. And the same can be said for when you see negative fruit, when you see fruit that's not of the spirit, the fruit of the flesh, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and anxiety being one of those in, in this instance. And instead of like, oh God, just take anxiety from me, which is kind of our, typical like thing and that can actually drive people to be frustrated with god because they say you know god will you take this anxiety from me i'm praying a good prayer don't you want anxiety gone from me and then the anxiety doesn't go and they're like well god you i prayed for it you didn't take it from me because god probably wants to join you in the process of seeing here's my anxiety at the at the fruit level of the tree if i chase that anxiety all the way down to the root like what is driving the anxiety and at the at for for a lot of people when they get to the root of that what they find is what they want is control Mm -hmm. and they don't have it in a certain area and so they end up saying like oh wow like and what drives the control it's i don't believe god is in control Mm -hmm. of this area and so, so what you end up finding at a lot of the root level of our lives is not just the sin that we're struggling with. It's the ground in which the sin can happen because that's where unbelief is. We just don't believe God in that area. Yeah. Um, and so it's reinforcing again, like at a, at a pretty deep level, like our, our confession to say, God, we're not believing you here. And there's areas that we believe God and areas that we don't believe God. And so much of like discipleship is whenever those areas come up that we can actually see that there's unbelief we have we need to just like replace that with belief and that's Mm -hmm. not often at the action level it's the thought it's the connect in the heart you know that kind of thing so yeah yeah well truth Anna thank, thank you for for joining us um just as a a piece of love. I'm grateful for your story. Uh, I hope other people feel grateful for for this conversation. Uh, one of the things that that Anna has a heart for is is obviously this topic and talking about the gospel and how it how how Christ does offer us freedom. So I'll even plug uh, if you want to reach out to Anna. I won't put your phone number out because <laughs> you get a lot of calls already from insurance. Yeah. I- scammer um but if you want to reach out to anna ask her some questions maybe share your story or something uh her email is cantrell c-a-n-t-r-i-l anna a-u-n-a you got a weird name cantrell anna i do at gmail.com um otherwise you you can call or text me though if you want to yeah if you have her number that's fine (laughs) 
Well, or ask somebody five, five, who five. has it. Five, 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 five. Yeah. Five. And this episode was brought to you by the lovely floral company. Ooh. Merch. So if you need flowers for your wedding. Uh-huh. Or you want or a, a great conversation. I did not I did not come on here to <laughs> to all you thirty saying, of you, why are you listening. More? Why are you saying say more about it? No. Yeah, I would love to talk flowers or anything. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mainly Jesus. That'd be cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm.